back. Episode two, Ryan, of Bubba the Hunter podcast. Episode two. Yeah, we so are. we pushed out uh, episode one. We were official. To thousands um, of listeners. Yeah, thousands of uh, listeners. Uh, so, There's yeah. plenty of Bubba's out there. I just don't know if they listen to podcasts. Yeah, there are. There are definitely uh, plenty of Bubba's out there. The problem is that sometimes Bubba don't care. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got some good things on the horizon. So we got BubbaTheHunter.com right now. It's a work in progress. Uh, remember to provide some feedback. Give us a shout on Instagram at uh, BubbaTheHunterPodcast. Bubba yeah. Or, and I'll put the link in the info, you can even leave us a listener voice message on Anchor. Uh, That's with, scary. Um, oh, that could be scary. That could be fun. Hey, well, yeah. you leave whatever you want to leave out there. We'll include it on the next episode. Yeah. So you could be on stuff. episode three. Yeah. If it's good stuff, I could honestly say some good Bubba stuff will make it to episode three and beyond. Oh, I know it'll be some good stuff. So yeah. for sure. Yeah. I'll put probably, that info on we it. We should probably start a, a highlight reel with that. Because I can imagine this will get good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bubba don't care. We'll put that highlight reel out there. That'll be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So please leave some good stuff out there. Yeah. We will definitely. that. Yeah, that'll be good, some, honest, wholesome stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> some good er- entertainment from Bubba. Bubba don't care. So, all right. So we got some Bubba news topics. Ryan, what do you have out there for some Bubba news topics? Bubba news. So I guess one of the, the the main things that we were talking about is CWD, right? CWD, uh, but also uh, COVID positive. Yeah. Or excuse me. If we, um, yeah, man, I was confused. Yeah, yeah. COVID positive uh, whitetail deer. So not and, CWD. Yeah, um, COVID. Yeah, yeah. So in my notes here, I had uh, disease in the top three reasons why people aren't hunting anymore. CWD. Um, it definitely is on the top of the list for whitetail deer. No doubt about it. Right. So when you look at some of the reasons why, when you look at hunter retention and why people aren't hunting, um, you have access, uh, you have aging out, and then you have disease. <clears throat> so prior to the pandemic, obviously, you had EHD was, is, uh, you know, completely different than CWD. EHD. Was that the uh, blue tongue? Yeah. Blue that tongue. Other... Okay. You know, okay. There's, there's a uh, hemorrhagic, I can't even pronounce it. It's not rolling off my tongue. Oh, that's a big word, man. It's a big word. It's three big words. Well, two big words followed by disease. Um, We'll just call it disease then. Yeah, we'll call it EHD. So EHD is a virus. It's caused by a biting midge. It's a basically, especially in areas uh, where you have drought years, and what happens is water becomes concentrated to certain areas and deer have to go to water. And when you have water concentrated, think of in August when you have a lot of mosquitoes and little bugs floating around on top of the water, those bugs uh, bite the deer and they infect them with the disease. And that disease can be fatal, but not all deer die from it. Um, Some survive. And when you survive, they pass on the, I guess, in today's terms, the antibodies to their fawns and offspring that they become uh, almost immune to it. So it's not going to wipe the deer out. CWD, completely different. It's not a virus, chronic wasting disease. It's a prion. So basically a prion exists in the brain. And I'm no scientist or doctor. Talk to a few of them and watch one on television. Um, (laughs) So this prion actually, like it is constantly changing in their, in their brains. And, and uh, it just, 
morphs and changes constantly. And there's really no. Sounds like someone that a woman might have. Yeah, exactly. So mine's always changing on. Their mind's always changing, That's, right? Anyhow, I interrupted yeah, yeah. you there. Carry yeah, on about your prions. You got. What are we going to eat dinner at? Um, yeah. <laughs> That's our biggest argument in this household is where if we're going out to eat, where it's going to be like, yeah, it's just, we are so undecided on it. Anyway, back anyway. to CWD. Yeah. Um, so CWD chronic wasting disease is not a virus. It is not caused by biting midges. In fact, caused by a prion uh, in the brain and the spinal column. It just exists, right? It's not, the prion isn't living. It just is, is there. Uh, the big problem with CWD is a hundred percent fatal and there's no cure. And in fact, um, you know, you, we, they've tr scientists have tried to incinerate it up to 1500 degrees. They've removed soils and facilities, uh, three feet deep where it had occurred and replaced the soil. And over amount of time, boom, it shows back up. It just exists. And it seems to be there forever until we find a way to make it go away. So that's a really, really, really bad one. And now with the pandemic, wow. we have COVID It's uh, existing in whitetail deer population and you know part of me is like come on pfizer now you're giving it to deer i yeah. did read some of the research that so it was some interesting research out there this should be interesting especially for the anti-maxers max <laughs> anti-maskers um so they put let me get the numbers right and some of the research i just read a little while ago they put four deer in a pen that and they purposely infected them with COVID, but they basically wiped their nostrils with COVID infections and they gave them COVID via nasal. And then they put a barrier between, so basically a barn, a stall, put four deer that was infected with COVID. And then they put two deer in the other barn stall with that weren't infected. They were completely healthy. And they put a uh, plastic barrier in between the two, but only left a little bit of space at the top. Um, I don't, it didn't say how much of space, but they said a small gap at the top. So basically other than the top, nothing could go through. Lo and behold, all deer were infected with COVID after a short amount of time. So they said, it, now those deer couldn't even touch each other. They were in separate barn stalls and had a, uh, you know, plastic barrier in between them and the COVID actually found its way up and over the top and into the other stall. And that's everything we've been reading is these, the, 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 the micros of the COVID virus are so minute, so small that the mask isn't really doing anything. You know, we all read and heard about hmm. that at this point. And, you know, that's other proof. So back to the white tailed deer. I, you know what? I talked to Karen the other day. I have to tell you, that Karen, she was all about the mask. So I, I was thinking that it worked, but anyway, yeah, well, yeah. Karen, but there's a lot that, of Karens eating their words now. You know, it's funny. I keep coming back to a Karen. I was around a Karen right at the beginning of the pandemic one time. And this Karen was walking on thin ice with this one guy. And this was in a public setting. Mm. And he did not have a mask on. And she kept going out Shame of her way. Him. Yeah, she kept going out of her way to tell him that masks saves lives. And he was very nice in the beginning like you know, basically <laughs> gave her the nod and like thank you and she just would not stop and you know you know it was one he didn't say it but it was one of those deals like you know what else saves lives karen like minding your own damn business 
<laughs> but I keep thinking of that because I visually watched this and this was probably like, I don't know, May or June of you know 2020. So right in the beginning of the pandemic. And I, now I'm going back to that because it was like, she was so adamant that masks saves lives. And I don't want to say that they didn't or don't. Right. But yeah. There's a lot of stuff coming out now about the mask. It's like making me rethink it a little bit. Like, ah, oh, man, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on out there that we just weren't sure of in the beginning. And we were making it sound like fact and blah, blah, blah. But yet here we are. Yeah. Yeah, so this whole topic came up on the Joe Rogan experience. Yeah. Uh, recent episode, Dr. Michael Osterholm mentioned right. the whole overwhelming cases in white-tailed deer on the Joe Rogan episode. So right. that was kind of interesting. So that's kind of why it made it up to the Bubba the Hunter news here. So, right. uh, so in short, no one really knows how the deer are getting it. Um, they did prove that some of the deer were infected by humans. Um but they don't know exactly how, and I, they really didn't go into detail as to how, but it's they're passing it on to each other because deer are very social animals, and they touch noses quite frequently. Um, and through, I read three different studies quickly, and all three studies had, one was like 35.6%, one was 38%, and the other was 40% of deer tested were testing positive for COVID. So it's looking like around 40% of the wild herd uh, may be positive for COVID, but they're showing no signs of it. Um, right. And it's at this point, um, extremely, you know, it's not harmful at all to humans. Right. And I, we should mention this is USDA stats from the U S department of agriculture. And we're getting those stats in there. And they had the, uh, 481 samples between January, 2020 to March, 21, Illinois, Michigan, New York, and Pennsylvania. And in your home state, uh, Ryan, Pennsylvania was 31% of the 199 samples they did in Pennsylvania. So, yeah, like you said, that they, they don't know that how the deer are getting exposed to the SARS-CoV-2, uh, but a, a possible through people in the environment and other deer and other animal species, uh, interestingly enough. So, yeah, a little interesting topic for Bubba, Bubba News. So another topic, uh, Ryan, is uh, a Wyoming trespassing issue. So here we have, and I think you're pretty knowledgeable on this, but I'll give my shot of it here. So we have basically block land out west, right? So you could have, uh, how do they define it here? Think of the checkerboard. A checkerboard, exactly. Yeah. So picture in a checkerboard, if you want to go from one public uh, checker box. Red to red caddy corner. Caddy corner. So there's some hunters out in Wyoming that decided they were going to go and without stepping on the black, um, use a little step ladder to go across diagonally. And they have been charged with trespassing because inevitably going across over the corner, they were in the airspace of the other adjacent blocks. Yeah. So what an interesting topic. Yeah. So it's dubbed corner crossing. Uh, yeah. Ago. So again, think of a checkerboard, red to red caddy corner. So the argument is, you know, the two little red points actually meet, but your shoulders, even if you were without a step ladder, even if you were to step across, you draw a box up shoulder width, your shoulders are going to be in the airspace of black. Black then would be considered as you are trespassing. So these four hunters decided to take it upon themselves to 
I guess, test the waters as far as whether they were trespassing or not. And it is making its way through court right now. Yeah. You know, I got to hand it to him. It seems like a valid way to not step on the gentleman's land. I mean, you, you kind of use step ladder, go up across, boom, done. It makes sense to me. So there's, it, it does, right? But there's really, yeah. there's two arguments here. Um, not arguments, but I guess there, there's two. Two sides? No, not even two uh, sides. I guess, well, so the ranchers, uh, let's look at it from the ranchers' perspective. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I respect, you know, from their respect ranchers. Because I don't agree with their perspective. So I don't want to look at it from that perspective. I want to look at what are they protecting out there so much. And I know what the answer is, but think of it. There is something so valuable out there to them that they're willing to have you arrested for trespassing by your shoulders crossing through air on two pieces of ground that connect to other two pieces of ground that aren't yours. Right. So we're talking 12 inches of airspace considers you trespassing. Now, when I think of a trespasser in the east, right, I think of somebody who walks on the other side of my posters, like yeah, you like so and jumps even the fence. At, even at that point, like if I have posted property, even at that point, if I see you on my posted property, I'm going to be like, let's just say you're there. You're not. You're not. You've not shot anything. You've not stolen anything. You have just found yourself on my side of the quote unquote fence line. Like I'm going to go, hey Rob, did you see those posters over there? No, Ryan, I didn't. Okay, well, they're over there. You know, do you mind that you don't come over here anymore? Yep, not a problem. Didn't realize it, blah, blah, blah. That's 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 the best way, right? Best case scenario. Let's yeah. do like the middle of the road scenario. The guy that purposely did it but has yet to shoot anything. Same, same deal goes on, right? Like, hey, uh, you realize you're on my side of the fence? Yeah, you know what? I did. I didn't think anybody was around. Not a big deal. You know, blah, blah, blah. Well, it actually is a big deal, so don't do it anymore. Okay, no problem. Okay, that's usually, I would say, 85 to 90% of the time how these trespassing issues are resolved. Here is a case of a rancher or a couple ranchers, I think, that was in this case. Knew some guys crossed from public land to public land across the corner crossing and are pressing charge. They weren't hunting. I mean, they were hunting, but they hadn't killed anything. They didn't take anything. What are you protecting? Now, the answer is they're protect that ground, that public land by being protected from corner crossing is essentially their their private land. Does that yeah, make essentially, sense? Yeah, it makes sense because it's basically landlocked, right? It's landlocked. So it's so the only people can get to it are the ranchers that own the black squares, right? Yeah. So red square in the top right corner is now owned by the two black squares that are adjacent to it. When you think of it from a checkerboard. By default, because itself, they can't go in there. Yes. That in itself should be illegal, right? Like, I feel like there should be a counter lawsuit. When you look at what's happening here, like... There should be another counter lawsuit just for being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so corner crossing is a big issue. So <clears throat> here's the really cool, the interesting part. So in this, I think this case is is probably six weeks old at this point. I don't know. It's not been resolved yet, but everybody's kind of watching it. If you're a public land hunter, and especially in the West, because 
if the judge finds these hunters innocent and deems them not trespassing, then that potentially opens up what between two and three million acres of public land in the West that's protected by corner crossing at this point. So absolutely, when which it should. Now you know, I'll take I would take a Bubba stand here. Yeah, Bubba needs to take a stand. It certainly should. Right, and that in and of itself is, and I hate to use this cliche, but that is such a game changer, right? Like. And I'm not talking like a gadget that's a game changer. I mean, that you're, you're opening up 2 million acres to, to hunting now because corner crossing is legal. That is yeah. certainly a game tra- game changer as far as an access is. Uh, I'm Yo, in this, in this one case, Ryan, this is where Bubba does care. Bubba does care, yeah. Yes. I wonder if Steve Ranella is a proponent of – or not Steve, but excuse me, Matt Ranella, a proponent – a proponent of corner crossing. I could see him going both ways with that. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. Yeah, one perspective that's going to uh, alleviate a lot of pressure on his trailhead. Uh, and the other perspective, he may have access to some of that public land via private landowners, just given his name. That's true. That, that is very true. But if he uh, stuck to his word, I bet he would be in favor of it. Because now, yeah. I think he is. Yeah, I mean, knowing what I know about him and, and that family, I, I'm probably almost certain that they're big advocates. I was just trying to be tongue and cheek funny. Right. Yeah. Well, Hey, maybe he'll uh, provide us some feedback <laughs> and uh, maybe he'll leave us a message. So yeah, Matt, leave, if us you're, message, you know, Matt. leave us a message, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> then we move on to uh, a very interesting topic about a duck killed in the state of Washington that was banded in Japan. That is just, awesome right there how many miles is that from japan i think it was 5200 miles 5200 miles of this duck that was banded in japan made it off to the state of washington and some uh bubbas that were waterfowl hunting out there bagged it that, that is just awesome and i think it was banded in 2016 if i'm not uh not actually it was the drake pintel they killed in central washington was banded in Japan in 2015. 15. So seven so, years ago. Seven years. That is just, that's awesome. That is a lot of flying. That, that is, yeah, a lot of flying. Yeah. And like, I wonder how many rest like in the sea with nothing around. Like, like, you have to like wonder like what goes through any animal's mind. Like, you know, Bears are roamers, deer, not so much, right? Like elk, you know, they migrate for food in, you know, out of the mountains, you know, into the lowlands for winter. But that duck flew literally halfway around the world. Um, man, like, yeah, that's, uh, just wonder, like, I, I guess what's not out there in that article is like, how often does that happen? You know, like, yeah. Like they banned enough ducks. I don't know how, you know, there's a ton of, there's a ton of like, man, like how many ducks does, I didn't realize Japan had like, was so worried about wildlife that they were banding ducks. I thought, you know, (laughs) I thought like conservation wise, like the United States was the leader in that, you know, and I guess that's just how turned off I am. Like, but are there biologists in Japan that are banding ducks on a, a regular basis? And what else are they keeping track of over there? Yeah, but I don't for know. That I don't matter. Know. What else is over there that I am unaware of that, you know, we should How many bubbas do we have in Japan? That's a good question, but we need to get some listeners in Japan, which so A, 
you know, this duck flew 5,000 miles and B from table fair. I wonder if the Bubba's ate it. And if they did, there couldn't have been any fat on that duck. And the best part about a duck is the fat, like duck fat mm. rolls. I mean, I feel like we should get a chirp printed tomorrow that says duck fat rolls. Duck okay. fat rolls. R-U-L-E-S. Like, have you ever cooked with duck fat? Like, No. Duck lard, it, duck fat. It I rolls, mean, though. It rolls. Like, pork fat's good. Duck fat's bad. Yeah. From a from a culinary standpoint, it is really hard to beat duck fat. Hmm. You didn't know that. I did not know that. That is interesting little uh, fact to, of the episode, too, right there. Yeah, I used to keep a jar of duck lard in my refrigerator just to cook with it. Wow. Yes. That is awesome. Yes, and I can tell you that I've not duck hunted near enough in the last few years because I have no more duck fat in my refrigerator. We need to we need to fix that this coming yeah. season. You know, I know we're just finishing up on uh, a, waterfowl season here. And B, we can't be hunting ducks flying five thousand miles because that is no. one lean duck. That is one <laughs> for sure. So that is for sure. You know, one a little interesting thing on here too. So I've been waterfowl hunting a, a handful of times, and as volleys go, you really never know who exactly uh you know got that particular bird or whatever and in fact in this case they weren't even sure of who uh who got who was the one that shot that duck on that volley so uh the, the as the story goes here in this article they put the put na- numbers in a hat and uh the one guy that drew it actually uh so he was the one to be able to claim that he got it so that's a little interesting fact to this story that is interesting because some of the guys I used to duck hunt with, they would have all claimed they got it. And yeah. none of them would have put their number in a hat. Oh, that's definitely mine there. Yeah. You saw how it went down. Well, we yeah. shot four of them and there's only three of us. Yes, I killed all four of them. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of us would have claimed we killed all four. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. And kudos for Japan for tagging ducks. I, you know what? I'm, that's actually I'm I, I'm gonna research that and see what else Japan is is looking after over there. You know, Ryan, I think it's time for a Bubba product highlight. You got for us? I do, and you know, I get laughed at this one. I, I, I promise I won't laugh at you. Yeah, I don't. It's I don't get laughed at, but it's so yeah. simple. Um, and so. For a lot of the bubbas out there that don't know, I do a lot of tree stand hunting. Um, and I was, I saw my coyote hunting. So, tree stand hunting, you're not like hunting a tree stand, you're like hunting from the tree stand. Yeah, I'm not gotcha. looking, okay, I'm not looking for a tree stand there, but you know what? I guess I take that back <laughs> because in September, in, in August and September, I look at a lot of trees that's looking for a good spot to put a tree stand. Oh, right. Yeah, yes. absolutely. I got I you. I spend a lot of time in a tree stand waiting for the elusive whitetail buck to walk by. Gotcha. I and, just want to clarify that. Yeah. So, over the years, I have, uh, I've found, the, not found a way, I found the best way for me to keep warm because I'm, I am by nature a cold person. Like my feet are cold right now. So mm. I am always cold and it is really hard for me to sit in a tree stand, uh, a long time, but there's two things that I'm a firm believer that keep you really warm. And the number one thing probably is your mental attitude because I really don't think that 
I've changed a whole lot over the years other than my mindset. And I can sit in some really cold weather now for a long time. I've sat, uh, you know, well below 10 degrees all day. Um, you know, I mean, before the sun comes up and after the sun goes down. Now, I do have a system, uh, a layering system to keep warm and a little routine that I do. So, you know, and we'll probably talk more about this on Bubba, but I think, you know, one of the biggest ways, uh, I guess the the best way to be successful in a deer stand for, you know, you us whitetail hunters is the most amount of time you can spend on stand. If you're walking to and from, especially as a bow hunter, or you're sitting in your truck, or you're in the, you know, the hotel room or the cafe having lunch, well, you're probably not going to kill one. So, you know, I don't leave for lunch, especially during the rut. And, you know, if you think about it, if you're taking vacation from work and, and, and you only have uh, 30 to 40 minutes, um, you know, to eat lunch type of deal, and you times that by five or six, you know, that's, you know, and then, you know, walking in and out. So that's an hour a day, you know, that's six hours. That's almost a whole nother day on stand, right? Like just, you know, going to get lunch. Now, if that's your thing, right, that's fine. It's, it's to each is, is to own. So one of the things that allow me to stay longer on stand that I found over time, it's so simple and it's a cheap product are boot blankets. Um, you know, they're the, yeah, the Arctic shield boot blankets. And that has been, again, back to that cliche that I hate to use the game changer from, uh, you know, I hunt out of metal tree stands and some people say, Oh, you put, cause I've said this before and I wrote about it one time. And I remember a guy wrote me, he's like, well, you could do that, but you know what I do? And I put carpet on all my tree stands and it's like, well, yeah. Or you could, you know, put boot blankets on your feet. <laughs> and so it works either way. But, um, Arctic shield makes boot blankets. I don't know. They sell for, I, I'm just throwing this out there. 39 99. That sounds about right. And they fit over top of your boots. And I think other companies make them. Mine happen to be Arctic shield. So shout out to Arctic shield and anybody else who makes them. But they are a simple pair of insulated covers that go over your boots. And they literally, you could, you know, and I've even tested this multiple times. Like you, I sit on stand to my feet are really, really cold. And then I put them on and they'll warm my toes up. Um, hmm. So when you warm your toes up, at least for me, that helps warm everything else. Uh, you know, it, it, it certainly gives you an extended amount of time. And if you look at my Instagram um, I have plenty of pictures out there of just my feet in a tree stand because I've been a big proponent of boot blankets. And on those cold days, I think I have a few pictures on my Instagram of just like snow covered feet and my boot blankets, you know, there they are saving the day type of deal. Um, but they're packable, they're lightweight, you know, and you, I just always have them with me. And I wore them last Saturday night. It was 12 degrees. We were coyote hunting at, you know, one o'clock in the morning and, we're sitting in the field and the wind was blowing. And I remember I had my boot blankets and, you know, you're always looking for ways to be warmer. So boot blankets are a big help. And, you know, to, to expand on that, if you keep your feet warm, your core warm and your head warm and your hands warm, that helps everything else. Um, and I think. Well said. And it starts yeah. with the boots. So, yeah. yeah. Arctic Shield Men's Boot Insulator by arctic shield i'm actually finding those for uh yeah under 40 bucks online yeah, there so. you go. I, yeah. that's uh it has been a uh a game changer for me i you know it's one of those products i remember 
I got it. I, somebody bought them for me. You know, your your family they don't know what to buy you for Christmas type of deal. And somebody <laughs> bought me a pair of boot blankets, and I honestly carried them for years. Not carried them, had them for years, and never used them. And then one day I was like, I'm gonna try these things out. You know, and man, what a difference! Um, nice. So boot blankets. If you're a tree stand hunter, not necessarily looking for tree stands, but hunting from one in the cold weather. Um, Try those out. You'll be pleasantly surprised. I got a fishing tackle hack for today for you, Ryan. So, and this is a, a fairly new one. I saw, I come across it. It showed up in my uh, YouTube feed just recently going out there, uh, just looking at, you know, searching for fishing videos and it came through. And uh, it was a new word for me, too. And here we go. Something else from Japan. So just we were just talking about birds being banded in Japan. Well, you know what? There's some good bass fishermen over in Japan, too. We got this called the Inu rig. It's really not really a tackle hack at all. Um, maybe. But, you know, I say that because uh, finally made mainstream. And when I see mainstream, so I picked up the latest issue of Bassmaster magazine. And wouldn't you know it, at the same time, it shows up in my YouTube feed then I see a major article in the recent Bassmaster magazine release. So what is it? So it's kind of kind of like how the Ned rig came off, the Wacky Rig, Texas Rig. It was newly released to the world this past September as a modification to a stick bait or finesse worm. Uh, originally created in 2016 in Japan by an angler and YouTuber, uh, and I'll probably mess up his name, but Hirasan TV on YouTube took him, uh, he did some R&D, since 2016 and finally released it on his youtube channel in uh, this late september of 2021 i tell you what i and i went out i looked at it tried to make my own i would call it the uh, the slinky rig because it kind of picture a like a stick bait wait a minute typical senko you tried to make your own well, you know, because I haven't found where you could buy them yet. I went online and found this, uh, you know, how you make a Inu rig. I'm going to call it the slinky rig because it looks like a slinky to me. Uh, I know you guys can't see this. You know, definitely I'll put a link out there to some video. And so I made it myself. So it's basically like a finesse worm. I took a Senko or, you know, any sort of stick bait and made what I uh, made the Inu rig. It is making waves. When it makes it into the Bassmaster magazine as a major article in there, it's uh, something to take a look at. I don't think it'll just be a fad. It looks pretty cool. I'm sure there'll be makers out there that you'll be able to go and just buy, buy it already made up and probably much better than what I did. But uh, I went to Amazon, bought a whole bunch of uh, coffee stirs. That's the plastic in it. And uh, just bought some, your typical hooks, your two-aught, one-aught, whatever size you want to have on it. We'll see how it uh, turns out, but I, it kind of looks like a slinky going through through the water So on the video. It's kind of neat. You know, interestingly enough. So, so uh, you fish any fish with those? Like, you're fishing you're fishing, fish. you're fishing probably, uh, you know, certainly tailored towards a bass. That's a, also, you know, anything that you fish for bass can use for snakehead, too. And if anybody knows me out there, I'd Definitely have got the snakehead bug, and I love fishing for snakehead. I can't wait to throw this against the snakehead. Nice. I think it's just gonna. I think it's just gonna be a killer for snakehead. As long as I can make it right, but that I, I've made one, then uh, I'll definitely perfect it, trying to get it to uh, just the way that the creator intended it for. Yeah. So an inu rig, inu inu is dog. So you hear the saying, "This dog will hunt." Well, 
I tell you what, I'm going to take this out and see if it'll hunt some snakehead here come uh, this spring once the water temps warm up a little bit. I will definitely hopefully have some good news on that and how this might work for that. Yeah, there's there's to the Inurig. So check it out. I'll put some links where I learned about it on YouTube. And certainly if you have the Bassmaster magazine, go out there and check out that article. It's a, it's a good little read on it. All right. Inurig. I like it. Got any road trips to talk about, Ryan? Um, nothing big coming up. I'm just, you know, shed hunting season, as we talked about before, is uh, it's upon us, I guess. And, I, you know, I normally don't start shed hunting until March. It's not really a date thing with me. It's more of a weather thing. Like, I don't know. I just like to hear the, the spring birds chirping, and uh, I don't want to be cold. You know, I just like a nice sunny day when you're out just you know trying to stretch your lungs and and uh you know getting getting some fresh air so it's it's upon us so i'll probably put put a little uh miles on maybe looking for some sheds here but nothing major coming up well nice so hopefully you find some sheds share that on an upcoming episode here so on deck for bubba i know we definitely got some be talking about some bubba turkey talk coming up as we approach the spring gobbler season, for sure, spring turkey season. Spring turkey season is upon us as well. Yeah, that uh, coincides right with uh, shed season and fishing season, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Final shots. One more cast for episode two. No, I think we covered it. It was good. I, you know, um, you know, more to come, and I'm, I'll be interested to hear about some of the feedback that uh, some of the, the Bubba listeners have. I think that'll be cool. You know, yeah, that'll especially. Help. And help give us some more direction as well. Absolutely. Especially when we get some of those uh, recorded messages in there. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. So, yeah. Hey, and a shout out to Maven Optics. Brought them up as a product highlight last uh, episode. And that was purely just because you find the the one particular binoculars that you have of theirs just solid. They actually caught some of that attention on our Instagram feeds. So, uh, yeah. And that we, we're not sponsored by them. And you just know that you found that the uh, Maven Optics would be good stuff for you. Yeah, definitely. Hey, remember to leave your feedback. You can send us a voice message to Anchor or send an email to Bubba at BubbaTheHunter.com. So I think that wraps up episode two, Ryan. All right. I think it was good. Great stuff. All right, Bubbas. Till next time. <laughs> <laughs>